There we are. Good morning and welcome once again. My name's Craig. I'm the senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you with us as we gather to worship Lord Jesus Christ together. It's nasty outside, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend your day, or at least part of your day, with us today. Uh, I just want to remind you of the things that Adam said. We're trying our best to figure out this announcement thing and trying to work it in early. Y'all don't like to listen real well, so I'm going to try and remind you again. Uh, Easter at Malvern Hill really begins this week. Uh, there's a flashlight Easter egg hunt for our elementary school kids. If you've got an elementary school schooler, it would help us a lot if you'd sign up ahead of time. You can do that on our website. Uh, there's other Easter, uh, other children's events that are coming up. There's one next Wednesday as well for our preschoolers in particular. Um, we've got Palm Sunday next Sunday. We're going to have choir and lots of music they've been working really diligently for. So uh, that'll be a part of our worship service next week. We also have a community-wide worship service gospel at the racetrack next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock that I hope that you will be with us. A lot of churches in our community are planning to be with us for that. And I hope that you can make the time to be there it's under. It's a nice big covered tent. There will be seats, so you come and, and join with us for that. So please just pay, pay attention to all the opportunities that are ahead of us. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, we do have a Good Friday service. I think that's at 6 o'clock on Good Friday. We'll, we'll observe the Lord's Supper during that service. And then Easter Sunday is a full day. It begins with a sunrise service at 730 um, 7 or 7.30, check your calendar, I don't know. Uh, what, read the emails that you get this week, it'll be helpful. Uh, and then uh, we'll have breakfast here and life group and then uh, our regular Sunday morning service on Easter Sunday as well. So all those things are there. Uh, please pay attention to the emails that you receive. They actually have all this information in there. So if you didn't hear all the announcements, I got great news for you. Those and more are available to you if you will just read your email. All right, if you have your Bible, we're in the book of Acts. Chapter 16, Acts chapter 16. And I just checked again outside, it's still raining. So you're not, you're, you're, you're not only are you not missing anything by being in here, you've got a whole lot you got to gain by being in here with us this morning. Stand with me in honor of God's word. We're going to read Acts 16 beginning in verse 6. The Bible says this, And they went through the region of Phrygia, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and there a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Before we pray, let me just give you a little note right here. This is the first place in the book of Acts that we see the plural. We have we there. Here's where we believe that Luke joins Paul's traveling party. And so Luke becomes not just a, a, a dictator of event or a, a writer down, an author. He's more than just, y'all know what I'm talking about. He's doing more than just writing. He, he says that we felt called, right? Don't ever miss out on the, the fact that regardless of what part you play in God's kingdom, you've been called to preach the gospel. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning. I thank you, Father God, that you have given this to us for our good and for your glory. Father God, and for the salvation of all who will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Father. To hear that Macedonian call. Father, perhaps you called us to our neighbors. Perhaps you've called us to the other end of the world. Wherever it is you'd have us to be, Lord God, may we be ready and willing to obey you and to change our plans if they fit in accordance with your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. 
do you allow God to lead you? Is that, is that a part of your life? Uh, uh, we have a dog, and uh, somebody encouraged us to try a new little collar for him, so we've been trying this little collar on him, and you put it on him, and it actually goes over his snout. He absolutely despises it, uh, but it's fantastic because he, here's what it does. It turns his head, it, and, and it's an amazing thing. When you can turn a dog's head, you can turn a whole dog. The dog follows his head. That's not just the same case for dogs, is it? Our, our head generally directs where we're going to go. And in athletics, in most cases, we, if we can train a person's head to do the right thing, we can actually can do a lot of right things. If you're training an offensive lineman on how to block, you want to teach him for his nose not to get over his toes because if that happens, he loses and he gets beaten pass block. If you're training somebody to hit a baseball or softball, they can get their head in tight. Because if they pull their head out, they pull their whole body. Our, our head has a tendency to lead us. As a matter of fact, we know this so well that football players and basketball players that are successful are usually successful, I should say, those who carry the football, uh, not necessarily defensive players or offensive linemen, but those who carry the football are often successful because they can do a head fake really well, right? And with, I, I can't, so I'm not going to try to sort of, uh, you know, give you a picture of that because I would just make myself look really dumb. But why, why does a head fake work so effectively on a basketball court or, or on, a, uh, on a football field? It works so effectively because we know that the head generally goes and leads where the body is going. Folks, when we think about what it looks like for God to lead us, the question really comes down to whether or not we're going to allow him to turn our attention to the things that he would have us to focus on. Not just to turn our attention, to turn our attention such that we would then be obedient to go in the place where he would lead us. Are we willing to allow the Lord to take us by the head and to lead us in the places where he would have us to be? Here in Acts chapter 16, we see that Paul and his companions had a plan, but God changed that plan. And we're going to see as we work through this that they were willing to allow God to change that plan. Are you willing to allow God to change your plan? Like whatever the plan is, are you willing to allow God to change your plan? Are you willing to allow God to give you a new career or a new location? Are you, are you willing for the Lord to tell you to stay and you're willing to stay in the place where he has you or to leave even if it's not exactly what you would desire? Are you willing to go to where you don't want to go? Are you willing to spend maybe what you didn't want to spend? Are you willing to even allocate your money in ways that really didn't fit your initial desires, but you recognize that God has a different plan? We're going to see that Paul and his traveling companions are willing to do that this morning. The first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is that Paul and his traveling party had a plan for their work. Y'all, we've got to be willing to plan our work. When we think about what it looks like for God to lead us, I want to make sure that you understand that this doesn't mean that we just sit around and do nothing and hope that at some point God shows up and gives us something to do. No, 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 no. We need to be busy about the things that we know that God has called us to do. You say, well, Craig, I'm not entirely sure where he would have me to be today. Well, you know what? You might not know exactly where he would have you to be, but you got a pretty good idea about what he wants you to do, right? Love God. Love your neighbor. Change the world around you. We've got a great commandment. We've got a great commission. We've got a second commandment that's similar to it, right? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one's love. Love the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Am I back on? All right, well, we'll just hold on to this just in case. 
Okay, what was I even talking about? I have absolutely no idea. Make a plan. Thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't have a good plan for if this thing fell out, right? All right. But he, he, we, we got it. <laughs> we know, we know that God's given us a general command, right? We might not always know the specifics, but we know the general things. We know that we are to love him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. We know that we're to love our neighbors ourselves. Folks, let's make sure that we're doing those things. You say, well, Craig, I don't know exactly where he wants me to serve in ministry. Well, that's fine. I can tell you this. He wants you to give him all you got in the place where you are right now. Until you know exactly what the next step is, how about you be all in in the place where God has you today? Bloom where God has planted you. If he has you here today, newsflash, he has you here for a purpose. And when I say here, I don't simply mean in Camden, South Carolina. I mean, if he has you right here in this sanctuary, or if he's got you plugged in to watch this online, whether that be today or two weeks or two years from now, if he's got you in the place to hear this message, it's because he has a plan for you, a purpose in that. Okay, So that means, number one, that we need to plan our work, but it also means that following God's leadership is no excuse to be lazy. We don't get to just sit around and go, well, I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me what's next. You know, I mean, if we're waiting on the Lord, great. But let's make sure that we're waiting on Him while we're busy doing something else. Not something that's contrary to His will, right? But that I'm waiting on Him while I'm busy in ministry. I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on Him while I'm busy caring for others, serving the world around me. I'm waiting on Him while I'm busy growing in my relationship with Him. A lot of folks especially younger, younger men who are preparing for, for ministry, uh, maybe, maybe in seminary. A lot of time, that, that time in seminary is spent in a lot of preparation, and you're waiting, you're eagerly anticipating what the next step is. What are you supposed to do while you're waiting? You're supposed to be getting ready to take that next step. When I served um, in the church I was at prior to coming here, I had a really wonderful and unique opportunity. I was, I was part-time on, on the staff there, but I was able to have the kind of relationship with my pastor there. He knew that I wasn't going to be there for a long time. He knew, in, in fact, that the Lord had called me to pastoral ministry, to, to, to pastor a church as a, as a lead pastor. And so a part of what he did for me in that place was not just to have me serve in the places where, in, in that moment, but to prepare me for the place I was going to go. He taught me little things. Like, until I got there, I had never done something like catalog my sermons or keep those in order. He sat me down one day. He said, Craig, one day God's going to call you from here. Why don't you take the things that you're learning here and, and, and hold on to them so that when you get to the next place, you've got something to lead you? He then gave me lots of opportunities to preach. That meant that for the first six months that I was here all those years ago, I didn't have to write a new sermon for six or eight months. I'd already preached those messages, which was really helpful for me because I was trying to figure out all the other things about pastoral ministry, but I had already been engaged in that moment, in that place, and learned there was something I was doing in that moment. Folks, if you don't know what the next step is, don't just sit around and twiddle your thumbs. Get busy. You say, but Craig, what if I'm moving in the wrong direction? Watch this. In God's sovereignty, he often works through our plans to accomplish his purposes. Y'all have heard me talk about this in, in my sermons and how I plan these months in advance. I tell y'all that just to, just to cover myself, right? Because some of you need to hear that. You walk in and you go, Pastor, you're just preaching about exactly what I talked to you about in a counseling session this week. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
Right? I can show you, I can show you the document where this thing was created. I, I can give you the, the, the history here. This was an intentional effort a long time ago. Sometimes the Lord lines it up for you to hear exactly what you need to hear in the moment that you show up on a Sunday morning, but he made that plan months ago. In our own church, we've seen this just in the past few weeks where we've seen some, some significant shifts in exactly how we're going to be doing some ministry things. And what we didn't realize and what I didn't realize at the time is that God was working in the middle of those plans months ago to give us exactly the messages we need to hear at exactly the right time. It's incredible the way the Lord works that out. You don't need to worry too much if, if you're afraid, hey, if I get too busy too far into this, then I'm going to get ahead of the Lord. Trust in God's sovereign plan to work things out. You say, Craig, what's that have to do with Paul? I got a map for you to look at this morning. So this map gives us, oh, oh you didn't give us the one with the big nose on This map gives us um, a, uh, a picture of Paul's first or second missionary journey okay don't let this time out on me guys we i might take a minute to explain so if you see right here we've got paul beginning in antioch um um and and he, he starts he heads to tarsus he goes to derby lystra and iconium that's what you read about and reminded of in life group this morning it's what we preached about last week and then he leaves from there and he goes um into fragia I can't even say that right now. Um, and he has an, an intention to sort of move down, maybe up into Galatia and then to Asia, right? He wants to go north. He wants to go south. He wants to go east. But in all these places, all the places that Paul wants to go are exactly the places that God tells him not to go. Now, what does that have to do with God's sovereign plan? Paul began this missionary journey. His intention was to trace his first missionary journey in reverse, as a result of that plan, he was perfectly positioned to take that next step into Europe, to Macedonia. He was already headed in the right direction. You see, Paul's plan worked in accordance with God's sovereign purposes. God was working through Paul's planning to get him into the place where he'd have him to be. Don't be that person that says, I'm not going to sit around and plan. I'm going to wait for God just to do something. Y'all don't do that because God works even in our planning experiences. Look, it's better for God to turn you around than for God to have to get you going. It's a whole lot easier to discover that you're lost than to discover that you're broke down. You know what I mean? How many of you have made a wrong turn? You realize that maybe miles down the road and you have to turn around and you have to go back. And maybe it took you 20 minutes out of your way. How much further and longer are you taken out of your way when you get a dead battery or the starter goes out or you lose the alternator on your car? Even a flat tire, when you broke down, it's a whole lot harder to get where you need to be. Folks, don't be broke down in God's ministry. We want you to be moving and to trust that in the moment that needs to happen that God can turn you. What's it look like to have a heart that's pliable enough for the Lord to turn you in the direction He would have you to go? So plan your work. Plan your work for the Lord. Plan your next steps. It's okay if you don't know what the next 10 years looks like. It's okay if God might turn you around in the next 10 months. But here's what I want you to be doing. Be moving in a direction. Be moving. And then trust that if it's necessary that God's going to direct you. Sir Craig, how do we get there? So number one, I want you to plan your work. The second thing I want you to do is to pray your plan. Pray your plan. Now, the Bible says that they were moving in a direction, and then 
When they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus uh, did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to them, uh, a man of Macedonia standing, urging him, saying, Come to us. What's happened right here? We've got Paul, even in the middle of all of this work, Paul continuing to pray through this plan. Listen, initially in this message I said that they weren't sitting around singing Kumbaya. But then I got to thinking that maybe they were. You see, we've taken that song and forgotten what it actually means. That's an old spiritual that comes from the Geechee people, or the Gullah people rather, right? And it, and, it, and it comes from the Gullah community. Kumbaya, come by here, Lord. Perhaps this is a part of what's happening in Paul's ministry. That as they're traveling, perhaps there is that deep longing in prayer. Come by here, Lord. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. What? Someone's singing. Someone's crying. Someone's praying, Lord. Come by here. I suspect that as they worked their way along their journey, that there was a lot of prayer that went into the plan. A lot of prayer that guided them along the way. Lord, come by here, Lord. Go with us, Lord. Move among us, Lord. Direct us. Folks, once you've made a plan, let me ask you, how readily do you change your plan? How readily do you change it? How willing are you for the Lord to change your plans. Following God's leadership requires enough humility to change your mind. Do you know how hard that is? Why is it so hard for us to change our mind? Because when I change my mind, I have to admit that I was wrong. I don't like that. And for all you judging me out there, you don't like it either. None of us really likes to be wrong. We don't like to be wrong about much of anything. But if we're going to follow God's leadership, we've got to be willing to do that. We've got to be willing to say, I was wrong. Do you know that sometimes being wrong isn't, isn't a result of you doing something wrong? Sometimes it's a result of you just not having all of the information. And sometimes you don't have it because God just hasn't given it to you yet. In this particular case, Paul and his companions weren't in sin because of the direction they were trying to go. It's just that they didn't know yet what God wanted for them. Uh, announced just a few weeks ago that we were going to be moving to services. That was a, a point where I had to admit I was wrong. I had to admit I was wrong. And, and maybe all of you didn't fully appreciate why, what was so wrong about me. All the things were wrong about me. But I, 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 I had desired for us not to do that. We had looked at other options, other plans. And our refocus team had looked at a lot of other things. One of the big things that got in the way of all the things that our refocus team has been talking through and so many other things that's happened, so many plans and thoughts, one of the big things that got in the way is that when we began this process 18 months ago, we said we needed enough space, for instance, for 90 teenagers and 90 children. And we believed that if we created that much space, we'd have enough space to carry them for the next 5 to 10 years. Why is that a problem? That's a problem because we're going to have 90 teenagers in 18 months and we're going to have 90 children in 18 months, if not less. And by the way, just, just to give you an idea, these aren't like faith hope numbers, all right? We got like 65 kid teenagers right now 
And in 18 months, there's 25 that are going to move up from the children's department. So do the math. That, that, that gets you to 90. You take out the attrition of those seniors that we want to get out of here so we can use the space that they're taking up. <laughs> right? And, and, and that gives us a little bit of room. Right? Well, guess what? We didn't have all the information when we began the process. When you begin a process and you go, we're going to do this, and things have to change. Sometimes we begin a process trying to do things for the Lord, and something just has to change. Somebody shows up that you didn't expect, or, or there's a turn of events. Something crazy happens. Sometimes the Lord just gives us insight that we didn't have before. How in the world might I find that? How can I hope to be plugged into the Lord enough to know that? Look, your daily quiet times create opportunities for you to seek God's will and His direction regularly. Do you want to be praying God's plan for your life? Then you need to be in the Word of God day in and day out. You need to be in prayer with the Lord. Spending time in God's Word needs to be such a regular part of your life that you feel like you missed something if you didn't get it. Right? That, that, that you're missing out because God will meet with you in that place. How many times through the years has, has the Lord used my personal quiet time to move me in a different direction? How many times through the years has the Lord used that interaction with His Word to show me something that I didn't know before or to reveal to me something that I needed to know? If you find yourself unsure about the next step in ministry, I want to encourage you to run to God's Word. If you believe that you're sure about the next step in ministry, I want to encourage you to run to God's Word. See, I want you to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit of God through His Word and through prayer that you create an open channel for God to communicate with you. You say, Craig, how's He going to communicate? Through His Word. Did I say that already? I'm going to say it again. Through His Word. You say, Craig, I want to be open to the Holy Spirit. Well, then by all means, pray. Absolutely. But you better be in the Word because how's God going to speak to you? Through His Word. If you believe that God's speaking to you in some other way and it doesn't fall into alignment with God's word, I'm going to tell you something. That ain't God. Might be you. Might be the devil, but it ain't the Lord. That's not proper English grammar, I understand, but it's 100% true. Anything that God would have you to do is going to be in perfect alignment with God's word. Paul and his companions were working their plan, but they're praying along the way. They're seeking the Lord. But well, what do you do? Some of you are going, Craig, how will I know? Let me just give you a couple of, couple of practical uh, pieces of, of advice here. If you find yourself unsure about the next step of ministry, number one, look for the push and the pull of ministry. The push and the pull. And, and, and here's what I mean. In this particular situation, you've got Paul feeling that the Lord's shutting some doors. So there's a push coming from behind him, right? But then there's a vision of somebody calling saying, come over here and teach us. There's a pull. You're probably not going to experience a vision from the Lord calling you somewhere else, okay? But here's the reality. If you're seeking that next place and you're unsure, pray for the Lord to give you that push and that pull. That experience where there's somebody that's pushing you out and somebody that's calling you to be somewhere else. What might that look like? That might look legitimately look like somebody calling you on the phone. See, we, we, we assume that there's always these huge supernatural things and that God was or that Paul was stopped from going into these other places by like a vision of an angel and just stopping in the road and saying, no, Paul, go no further. Paul doesn't tell us that. And here's, here's what I suspect. I suspect that if it was something that, that wild and that exciting, that Luke probably would have written that story down. 
Why didn't Luke tell us how God kept him from going? Because it might have been something as simple as, you know, a ship that couldn't get moving in the right direction. It could have been a threat coming from a city. It could have been the fact that they had secured travel in a particular way and it didn't work out. Right? In your particular situation, it might be a plane that just didn't go, a car that broke down, or, or an opportunity that was not extended, an invitation, rather, that was not extended. Sometimes God's push in our lives and the pull is not always this huge supernatural thing. Sometimes it's practical. Just be open to the fact that God may be using the practical to get out of you what it is he, that, that he desires. So look for the push and the pull. Okay? The second thing, just practically, always look for help in discerning God's will. Back to what we were talking about just earlier, verse 10. When Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see this? The Apostle Paul, he wrote half the New Testament. He's the greatest missionary the world's ever known. This, this Paul. And yet, when it came time for discerning God's will, Luke says, we... You see that? We. At some point, Paul sat down with his companions and said, I believe this is the direction that God's leading us. And they said, we agree. If you believe God is leading you to do something and you can't share it with someone else, you need to be very concerned. If you believe God's calling you to do something and everybody else in your life who loves Jesus and shows evidence of spiritual maturity disagrees with that direction in your life, you had better be really concerned. God works through community. And the idea that somehow or other God's going to call you to do something and everybody else is going to be cut off from that, you know what we usually call that? A cult. I said it. There it is. Right? How do cults work? I don't know if you've paid much attention to them. It's like, hey, I got a vision. Nobody else heard it, but trust me, I got it. There were these special stones or glasses or tablets, and I was able to see them all myself. I heard it. Nobody else did, and you don't need to. Don't worry about all that. I got it all figured out. Now, here's your special armband and your special Kool-Aid, and you drink it, and you wear it, and you're all in. No, 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 no. Here we've got Paul and his companions working together to discern the will of the Lord. How would you figure... Ooh, this is exciting. Um, it just hit me. How would you determine who you should trust? Oh, you see this? I'm bouncing because I've been here before, right? Some of y'all shaking your head because you know where I'm headed. I love this one when somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, I believe this is what God's called me to do. I'm like, cool, well, that's awesome. Who'd you ask? Well, I talked with some people. Who, who'd you ask? Well, I, I, I know this is what God would have me do. Who did you ask? Because, like, you're sitting down with your pastor and you're telling me that God's called you to, I don't know, mission to Borneo or to plant a church in, you know, Lucknow or something. So who'd you ask? Because I'm your pastor. And you didn't come and talk to me. So you went to your life group leader, right? And they're like, well, I, t I talked to some people. I'm like, who'd you talk to? Well, I talked to little John. He's got it all figured out. Me and Jimmy have been working through this. I'm like, who is Jimmy? Well, he's somebody I trust. I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. Explain to me what in Jimmy's life gives you the... If your name's Jimmy, I ain't hating on you. What in Jimmy's life 
leads you to believe that you should be going to him for spiritual counsel. Well, I've known Jimmy a long time. I didn't ask that question. Tell me one Bible verse Jimmy ever taught you. Where did Jimmy go to church? Well, Jimmy doing his own thing, you know. I mean, he got burned out with the church. All right. All right, so here's where we are, okay? So you done found Jimmy online in a chat group, okay? Or Jimmy's a guy you grew up with and y'all lost touch all those years ago, but now you and Jimmy are back. And you got this crazy idea that you're going to go international mission to Borneo, or you're going to plant a church in luck now. Now, here's the reality. You, you, you've not been active in your church, really, for more than about six months. You're not growing here. There's, there's nobody else around you that says this is a good idea except Jimmy. And when you came up with that idea, you didn't go to those people around you who have shown themselves to be spiritually mature. Instead, you went to the one person you knew would say what you wanted to hear. Some of y'all ever played one parent against another? Y'all know this one? This is what this is like, you know? I love it when my children come, go out of their way to find me. Like, we're both at home. Like, Angela's at the house, and I get a phone call. Dad, do you think it'd be okay if I... I'm like, oh, no, I am not falling into that trap. You kidding me? Is your mama there? Yeah, but I don't know where she's at. Oh, no. Click. I'm not even having this conversation. We're not even going there. It's like you just went six miles out of your way to ask me a question when you could have walked upstairs. Be real careful that you're not always running to people who will give you the answer that you want rather than the one you need. Paul apparently had enough confidence. Look, he's going to Luke. What is Luke? A doctor. Paul's the theologian. He's going to Dr. Luke. I don't know if you know a whole lot about the ancient world. Physicians were not what they are today. He was a learned man, an educated man, but he was no theologian. He's going to him. He's got Timothy, some kid with him, and Silas. And they're all sitting together, and we believe that the Lord was leading us in this direction. Jesus had something to say about him being present among us where two or three are gathered together. Y'all beware of yourself if you find yourself leaning always for spiritual guidance and wisdom from people who are not a part of your church family, who are not a part of healthy Christian congregations. And, and let me just say, like, I, I sound like a cult when I tell you not to talk to people from other churches, so let me just explain myself, okay? I'm not a cult leader, I don't think. I haven't been put on a watch list yet. But let me, let me just be, if you're the kind of person that's always cherry-picking, there's a reason you're cherry-picking. And if you find yourself like getting a call like once every six months from somebody who just, right, and they're like, hey, I just need to give you to give me some advice. You're like, why are you calling me? Why are you calling me? Who else have you called? Be careful. Build yourself a core. This is part of why we have life groups here. Build yourself a core of people who love Jesus and love his word and love his church and who love you. And who are the kind of people that you'll go to over and over and over again. You want those kind of people that will be your biggest cheerleaders when the Lord's called you to do something. Like they will support you. They will, they will pray for you. They will fund you. They will do all the things because when God called you to do something, man, they're all in. But you also need those people to look at you and go, I don't think this is a good idea. 
If your friends will never tell you no, they're not your friends. They're just a bunch of yes people that you've gathered around yourself. You understand? We need those people who will oppose us. The Bible, in, in the book of Galatians, Paul says that he opposed Peter to his face. He didn't hate Peter. But when Peter was wrong, he got up in his face. He said, no, don't do that. Stop. We need to be those kinds of relationships within our church, within your Christian community. All right? So pray your plan. All right? So plan your work. Pray your plan. And then third this morning, work God's plan. Watch this. When you know God's plan, the time for waiting is over. And when God says go, you pray as you go on the way. You understand? Like, pray for God's plan. Pray for it to come. But when the Lord has revealed it to you, y'all, the time for waiting around is over with. Watch. Oh, air conditioning's good, but it keeps turning my pages. He says, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. Boom. When it became clear, so here they are. We're trying to go here. We're trying to go there. It's closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door. When Paul sees his vision, he goes to him and he says, Guys, we've had closed door here and closed door there. We haven't been able to do anything we want to do. Everywhere we've turned, we've been stuck in the mud. Everywhere we turn, we've been slowed down. But I had this vision. I believe it's from the Lord. What do y'all believe? When they came together, they began to pray about it. They were all convinced it's exactly what God wanted for them. So immediately they changed course and they got busy. Y'all listen to me. When God has made his will known to you and you choose not to obey it immediately, there's a word for that. It's disobedience. It's disobedience. If you know what God desires for you and you do not do it, that is disobedience. And look, as parents, we all know that's true. But as disciples, we don't want to acknowledge that it's true. For some of you that are a little slow, let me explain what I mean. And you're not slow. You're just living in your own thickness because you don't want to live in the reality of the moment, right? So as a parent, when you say something like, pick up your shoes. How many of you, as a parent, meant for your children to do that two hours from now? Yeah, now it's clicking, right? Oh, somebody, I just got those looks of disgust, like, oh, the shoes, you know? As a wife, when you told your husband to pick up his shoes... We know that you meant whenever we got around to it, so that's different. <laughs> but we understand this as parents, right? You said clean your room. You didn't mean when you get around to it. You said take out the trash. You meant to do it now. That was the expectation. If you are a boss or a supervisor or, or, or the owner of a company and you tell your employees to do something, you don't mean whenever they get around to it. You mean, hey, I want you to move this piece of equipment right now and do this with it. I want you to go to this place. I want you to do, make this investment. I want you to do that. I want you to do it right now. And yet somehow or other, we convince ourselves that when it comes to the Lord, it's completely different. Well, I know that God said go, but I, you know, I got to get a few things in order before I can do that. Jesus said something about putting your hand to the plow and looking back. And it wasn't positive. You know what I mean? Jesus said we need to go this way, get busy, keep moving, don't turn around and look, keep going. When they became aware of what it was that God desired for them, man, they lit a fire and got moving. We've got to get there. Y'all, when's the last time that you were so 100% committed to something that God had called you to that you just ran after it? 
When's the last time that you understood so clearly what God would have you do? Y'all, that's one thing that God's given me recently. I understand more clearly than I ever have before. That we have an incredible responsibility to reach Kershaw County and her surrounding communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we got to do whatever it takes. We've got to do it. We can't sit around and hope somebody else is going to show up. When Paul heard that call from Macedonia, he didn't say, well, Lord, send somebody. I'm sure some." Paul said, I need to go. I got to get there because they're counting on me to do it. Folks, there are people in your life that are counting on you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? If God's called us to go, then let's go. Let's get busy. When God says, go, then go. And look, pray on the way. Pray on the way. How many of y'all, I've been there. You're driving down the road. You're praying as you're going. You can pray on the way there. Lord, if this is wrong, then stop me. He'll give you a flat tire. And if he doesn't, you're going to show up going, come on, God, I wanted you to stop me. Any of y'all ever prayed that prayer? I've had a few of those in my life. I got a call some years ago. And uh, it, it was not a good situation. I just remember praying, Lord, if, if it's not your will for me to be there, Lord, how about like anything, a deer run in front of me, you know, truck break down, anything, Lord, I really don't want to be here. And then you pull in the driveway and you're like, well, I guess this is where you wanted me to be. Lord, thank you. That's not awesome. <laughs> you know what, though? It's often been in those places where I didn't want to be, but that God wanted me to be, that the ministry was the richest most productive, most opportunistic, most incredible. Because you know the places I don't usually want to be right in the middle of people's brokenness. But it's right there in the middle of their brokenness that God needs us to be walking with them. The Lord has honestly, in His grace, He's given me a different approach to so much of that in recent years. Like, I don't love it when you guys go through hard days and hard experiences. I don't want that for you. But the Lord's given me the ability to love the opportunity to walk with you. I don't want somebody else to do it. I want to be right there. And I want y'all to have that same passion, that same desire. To be in the middle of the hurt and the heartache. Walking hand in hand. And then praying the whole way. But let's not wait. Let's get there. Pray on the way. When God calls you, then go. But then the, 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 the last thing this morning, I want you to trust in God's plan. Some of y'all are so smart, you're smarter than God is. You think that, don't you? You imagine what if Paul said, well, well, Lord, I need to go to Asia and preach the gospel. God, you don't understand. God, I got, I got things I need to do. You're wanting me to go to Europe. Now, now, we don't appreciate this. Like, we just go, well, it's the ancient world. Everybody's the same. No, 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 no. When Paul crossed that little strip of water and he made it into Macedonia, the whole world changed. This is foreign territory for the apostle Paul. He's no longer in Asia and the, and, and, and the ancient Near East. He's in Europe, and it's a different world in every sense of the word. Paul was most comfortable ministering in Asia where the gospel was already at work. He's taking little small steps to expand the reach just a little bit at a time, and God says, you need to go further. And surely Paul says what some of you have thought. God, why would I go all the way over there when people need to hear the gospel right here? Oh, that one hits, doesn't it? Uh-huh, I've had that one before. Why would we go do foreign missions when people in our own backyard need to hear the gospel? Well, that's because y'all ain't done your job in your backyard, but somebody's not even there to do it on the other side of the world. Right? The people in our backyard, if they hadn't heard the gospel and you're convicted about it, then by all means, go share the gospel. 
But God was sending Paul to a place where there was no gospel witness. Well, didn't, Paul, didn't God care about the people in Asia? This is awesome. If you turn to the book of Revelation, you don't have to right now, but when you get there, go home, read Revelation. Okay? And you're like, oh, that's a lot. Listen, it's the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing if you'll read it. Don't be intimidated by Revelation. Don't worry about it. Read it for what it is. There's some parts of it that are a little bit hard to understand. I get that, but most of it's pretty straightforward. Just read it. It's a letter. But contained in that letter are seven letters from the Apostle John written to seven churches. Where are those seven churches? Can y'all go all the way back and bring me that slide back up by any chance with the map? Is that possible? I'm sorry. You know where those seven churches are? They're in that big purple section that says Asia. Why didn't God send Paul to Asia? Because God didn't need Paul in Asia. God had a plan for Asia that didn't include Paul. Some of y'all are worried that if you go and do this thing, then certain people or certain places are going to be neglected. If God's called you to a place or to a person or to a people, then let me, trust, let me tell you this. You can trust God's plan. You can trust it. What if Paul had said, I'm not going to go? I'm not going to go, God, because i got to reach those people. Then let me tell you something. There was a lot of people that were going to be reaching those, and nobody was going to make it. Nobody was going to make it to Europe. They weren't going to get there. Because God had called Paul to that ministry. Where's God called you? And what is the holdup? Folks, do you allow God to lead you? I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful you're part of our church. But some of you probably shouldn't be. There's some of you that God has called out of this place. And you're just clinging to it because it's comfortable. Are you allowing God to lead you? Has God called you to the mission field? Has God called you to pastoral ministry? We had a couple a few years ago. The Lord just called them to another church. I celebrated it with them. And this was why. They said, we want to reach our neighbors. But our neighbors won't come to Malvern Hill. It's just too far. It doesn't fit them. And so, Pastor, we love you. We love the church. But we're going to another church because we want to reach our community. Man, I celebrated that with them. And every time I see them, y'all, they hug my neck. They love our church, and they're so thankful for what God does here. But God's called them to another place. Are you willing for the Lord to move you from here? There's some of you that are on the fence visiting around here, and you just keep saying, well, I'm going to stay right on the periphery. I'm not going to take that next step. Are you willing for God to move you right into the middle of the church? Like right into the middle of it to get you off the edge and move you right in the middle of the ministry here? Are you willing for the Lord to do something else in your life? That's my question. That's where we finish today. Are you allowing God to lead you? Paul and his companions had a plan, and the Lord completely upended their plan. But in so doing, what did he do? He advanced the gospel and he exploded the church. Some of you are one obedient decision away from an incredible breakthrough with the Lord. Some of you are one decision of obedience away from making an impact beyond yourself. Are you willing today to be obedient to whatever God would have you to do? Are you willing today for God to direct you? As Kevin comes and leads us and our musicians lead us this morning, are you willing for the Lord to change your plans? Are you willing to be wrong so that Jesus can be right? Are you ready today?
for God to do whatever he would do, have you do in your life. It's difficult to sometimes preach to all the same folks and see some of the same folks wrestle with the same, same questions and same concerns week in and week out and be unwilling for God to change them, for God to fix it, for God to move. See, there's the ugly truth. God's not going to do anything with you until you're willing to let him do something with you. He does a whole lot with broken, messed up people. But when you got it all together, he's got nothing for you. Would you come today and allow God to change you and to change the world through you? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, love you and praise you and thank you. Father God, Paul and his companions are willing to allow you to lead them. Father God, it can be so difficult for us to trust you, Father. We believe that we've got it all figured out. Lord, allow us to trust you enough to take those steps of faith. Lord, to go to Macedonia if you'd call us, Lord God. To not worry about Asia. To trust, Lord God, that wherever you've called us to go, that, Father God, you are in control. That your ways are right. We trust you. Move among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us as we sing this morning.